0: Yes. Hi, it's Phantom Electric go. How are you doing? Are
1: you? I'm doing great, actually. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Am I coming over okay?
1: It's fine. It's perfect. Oh, good. Thank you. Just wanted to remind, this is episode four of the podcast, and uh, I like to be honest on my podcast. We're not going to hide that we already record this podcast last week, but... <laughs> Because of my fault, we've had some technical issues. I was not able to save the episode on uh, on Anchor. I'm still an amateur on uh, on this, maybe. I don't know. I was not able to save it. And so one week ahead, we're first to to record it again before the the actual podcast can be published.
0: That's okay. It's fine. <laughs> it I, was started, I actually
1: had a couple episodes
0: when I first started where um, I lost it and I had to record again. Oh. <laughs> so it's like something on these type of platforms that can happen.
1: <laughs> happen of course. Of yeah. course you can. So we're gonna start from the from the very beginning. Let's like uh put it to zero I presume we didn't say anything in the last podcast. Yeah, yes. Just wanted to, to say to the teenager grind audience, what is it that you do? First of all, this is the first question that I'd like to ask on the on the show.
0: I am a podcaster, uh, musician, producer. I am the creator of Phantom Electric Ghost, which is a band, a uh, kind of made-up band that consists of me and my own mm-hmm. ego, Josephine Electric. And Josephine Electric is the lead singer of the band, and um, she is created by a voice transformer technology called a vt 4 from Roland.
1: Which you're using right now.
0: Yeah, I can do it real-time, and she... um when I perform, I can actually perform this live. And, uh, you know, Josephine can kind of, it does represent, you know, the kind of female part of the the story, but it's just kind of cool, this technology I found that allowed (laughs) me to, um, you know, create a female character of myself. And, uh, it, it really changed my whole world as a musician because I didn't know how people were going to take it. And when I first did it in New York city, back in 2017, it just, uh, had a better response than I ever thought. And it kind of got me where I am now. And, um, and I've just like used multiple types of these transformers. I'm on my third one. Uh, I started mm-hmm. one in a Roland called a JDXI. Then I got a VT3, then I got a VT4. VT4 is the latest version of their their um, vocal transformers. And they're not just um, like like typical, uh, like auto Tune. They actually create, mm-hmm. as you can see. And Josephine is you know, probably the best example of what I can do with this thing. And she really likes to get into it. <laughs> and she never, you know, usually don't get to hear uh, Josephine that much. But uh, no. I, I, I've been trying to get her voice out there because she is the lead singer of the band. And she should be represented because she is the voice of Pamela the ghost. I mean, she's on 95% of the songs. And uh, you know, not a lot of
1: people get to hear her.
0: So Joe's just think kind of forced away way in there, but um.
1: <laughs> no, no, that was amazing. Actually, if you don't tell me anything, I honestly I w- I will say that I that I got two go um, two guests on this podcast because yes. for me like it's a, it's an experience that for sure will not repeat itself so so easily. So like in order to be my my first guest, and I already have two, it's it's already amazing.
0: Yeah, it's just kind of weird because I I kind of like the the whole beginning of the ghost is I'm a musician, right? Been a musician since I was like 17 years old. I'm 53. And I never had a voice. I just played keyboards. I played synthesizers since I was 17. And um, you know, back in the late 70s, I was like in all these punk bands and garage bands and you know, college bands, and I just kept on buying equipment and 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 gigging with people. And then in 2017, 2016, I decided I wanted to have my own voice, and I had this short story I wrote with this character named Josephine, who was a girl that died. She was a rock and roll singer, and she died, but she became a ghost. And then she found all these other ghosts to create a rock band full of ghosts called Fam Like a Ghost. And then it's you know, amazing. And then I found the technology from Roland to actually kick it off with these. Uh, it was VT fours and uh, VT threes and JDXI. And it made it real. Yeah. And then I even created her sister who can like double up with me and do like a double voice. And so when we do some songs, I have this kind of double doubling thing where both of us are singing at the same time.
1: And it's like, you have a featuring.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just kind of cool. And it just uh, became a really cool thing because it's like now a lot of people can, this original technology that Prince used back on uh, scientific times, uh, for the character Camille was actually a like a sped up tape loop. So he couldn't really do it real time back then. you would kind of not be able to do it. And then he found ways to use recorders to do it. But he originally did it on tape, analog tape. And, you know, to be able to do it real time is pretty cool. <laughs> when the the original idea of it, you know, comes from like what Prince doing that, And you have like George Clinton had Sir Nose. He had these <laughs> set up little things. And he had other people, and they had Bowie doing like uh, Ziggy Stardust. Would, but he never really changed his voice. He had this kind of feminine image. But um, to be able to do it real time is kind of like the whole thing of what my my big feature with, with the way the ghost is, is like the fact that I do this, and then I don't wear a dress. I wear like a Phantom costume that shows that I'm a ghost. And it's like a Phantom of the Opera thing with like LED hoodie, LED mask, and you don't and I'm not trying to dress up like Ziggy or or try to be like uh, in drag or anything. I basically is the idea that I can go back and forth between these voices. Um and so then some songs have, have like, you know, a voice that's maybe like, well, uh, well, Mr. Phantom. Boy. That is another
1: one. Yeah. I love this
0: effect. I don't know go, it the world, you know? Yeah. So, um,
1: you and know, I've always wondered how to do this. It was amazing. As anytime yeah. you saw it in movies, and yeah. whatever character they put it on, you always wonder how can I make this. It's it's, it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing effect. Yeah, it's just the but honestly, thing you do. <laughs> yeah, but my main concern, like the thing that most um, I got inspiration from, last time already, as I told you. Recorded this podcast, then I lost it, and now we're recording it again. When is it that you came up with the idea of of this voice? You said that you were seventeen, you, you didn't have a voice, and you know then you came up with this amazing idea. Like what? what yeah, how old were you? Actually,
0: yeah, I didn't get this idea until like I was in my 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 late forties. Late forties, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've been playing for years, <clears throat> and um, you know, I hadn't. I'd just been like you know doing. You know, I I had a SoundCloud. Maybe I had like fifteen hundred people listening to all my expansive sound. You know, I started expansive sound, and there was no joke there was no Phantom. So the first thing that showed up on the on the net in two thousand eight on SoundCloud was expansive sound experiments, and they were just like these, you know, ten minute, fifteen minute long ambient electronic things. You know, these like sound paintings. And I and then I'm like, well, I'm not going to get anywhere with an audience without a voice. And so I, I kept on trying to figure out well, what am I going to do? And I found that, that, you know, in, in rock music, I think I've told people this before. If you think about it, like Robert Plant, Axel Rose, Smokey yeah. Rob, the voice is always like a higher pitch to kind of cut through. And I, because I'm doing a lot of stuff with like mobs and the heavy, heavy analog sense using my bass voice, it gets a little annoying if you just do that all the time. And so it, would, it I found that the female voice, Actually made the songs better. It uh, made so, better, yeah. Yeah. So then I decided, like, I found like a JDXI back in 2016. I got a JDXI had a a Roland vocoder from the 70s, kind of built into it. Um, a VPO3. In the VPO3, like, it was out of production, but they Roland actually put it into that JDXI. And maybe I was like one of the only people that realized it was in there. And then I said, I could do something with that. So I started playing with it. And the first thing I did is I hit I hit the soprano mode and it turned my voice, you know, into, you know, into... Josephine. It, it just, the Josephine voice came out and uh, it was just like, I couldn't believe it. I, I was just like, this is a female voice. And um, I didn't, I, I just heard it. And I said, what can I do with that? And I, And then I decided like, okay, I had that character I wrote like in, in college in like eighty six, I went to Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine. And I was a liberal arts major and I wrote this this science fiction story about like I told you about Josephine just died, came this ghost. And I, I, I don't know why I did that. I just came up with this idea. And I, I had it sitting around. And I said, Well, now I got this technology, I can actually do it. And so then I I actually started to well, of uh, course construct some of the, the I had actually been a story a short story that I had expanded. I wrote all these poems that Josephine used to write poems and they'd become songs. And I had all like a big bunch of my like 200 of them that I had written in like 87, 88. When I was in college, I was in my twenties. I wrote this stuff and I said, you know, so I kind of took this stuff, dusted it off the shelf. And then I had a tech in 2016. So you go from like 1986 to 2016. And finally I take an idea from 86 And was able to actually implement it in 2016. (laughs) You know,
1: of course. But like, I think this goes. This has to launch a message to all of the teenagers, especially me, Uh, because also I, I, I think I have this doubt a lot of times during the day. I usually feel lost. You know, I'm only 18, and usually I feel lost because I should already know what my passion is. I should already know what is the the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. But then I hear this and I'm like, shit, I have, I have time, you know? Yeah. I have time. And you always have time. <laughs> we, all, we always have time and, and we do have time. And sometimes we think that we should have every everything fi- figured out when we're 20, when we're 30. Well, the reality is, you know, you can make experiences during these years and then come up with something amazing just as you did and still, you know, and still have it figured out. So I think this uh, has given me a lot of encouragement when you told me last week and it was surprising again when you when you mentioned it now and also yeah. <laughs> the most amazing thing is that of course you're focusing on something that is uh, that is amazing that that sound, sounds great and makes a lot of sense but i'm sure it was not easy to say as you said mm. is this going to be liked is this is going to be approved is this is going to be you know
0: yeah so, it's, uh, it's, the first concert is kind of crazy because i yeah. i was brought into this hip hop consortium in 2016 right mm-hmm. and i'm coming out as the ghost you know i like, can all these guys have gold chains and they don't have shirts on they got six-pack tabs and i'm wearing this kind of like you know led hoodie with this phantom mask i'm looking like i belong in like you know an edm club or something and it was kind of like a mixed show and there was some edm and techno stuff but there was a lot of rappers so i was kind of you know like okay are these rappers gonna try to take me out <laughs> You know, I'm an African-American guy, but I was kind of like, are these guys going to get like, like really crazy about this female voice and not like it? And I was kind of worried about it. But I said, you know, whatever. I had one thing I do with the ghost is I can play pretty heavy, like rock music on my synthesizer. One of the other things about my sound is I combine Moogs and Roland's to, to like fake, fake out like a guitar sound. It's not really fake, I'm actually really playing it. It's not sample. I'm actually making yeah. my synthesizer sound like a guitar. Uh, through, through stuff so I came up with a couple innovations in terms of like my sound you know in terms of creating Joe's Josephine in real time and then being able to make a synthesizer sound like a real like a Les Paul or Fender coming through a Marshall stack and when I actually played in New, that New York club um, it, it had a Marshall stack and they had a fog machine and I'm like and they had these lights so I said well you know well that can take advantage of that to so become a ghost and I'll tell the guy to put a lot of fog and then we hit the lights, and then I came out with this kind of this female voice, this really screeching guitar coming through these Marshall stack. And people were like, where's the guitar player? And he's like, it's me on the keyboard. <laughs> and um, it, I got called back to do the show like three times. Uh, and and I, I was so surprised because I didn't think anybody in that kind of genre would really be into what I was doing. And um, like, there was a radio guy that had me come back from a radio station in New York City. I did it like three times, and I did like a couple other places in New York. And then I just, uh, the podcast started getting more popular. Um, you kept, more you kept
1: going. like Also, yeah. also <laughs> you, you just said like, uh, I didn't know if uh, if the guy would have liked it. I didn't know if the, then they, they would have called me back. But you kept going. You know, you were like, he's out on the way. Most of us don't even start because they say, yeah, I don't think this is going to be liked. Well, in reality... Maybe that was, you know, a life-changing idea that we we did not have the the courage, we were not brave enough to to try out.
0: Yeah, a lot of people try to clone what's popular, and I've kind of, you know, my whole thing is I grew up like in Hendrix, I like punk music, I like new wave, I like new, I like a lot of different genres. I mean, I like Johnny Cash, I like John Coltrane, I like Madonna, you know, I like The mm-hmm. Cure. I mean, I like Led Zeppelin. I like, you know, I like uh, Fleetwood Mac. So, I mean, my my taste is all, I mean, Connor Obey. I mean, I you could say all the people I like. I like, I listen to so much music. My whole thing was, like, I want to come up with this idea of expansive sound. Instead of being in a narrow genre, expansive sound is about crossing genres in my own kind of segment, which means, expansive sound means I can do, I could do Johnny Cash. I could do Dylan. I could do like the, the Sex Pistols. It's like, I don't have a genre. I can do whatever I want. And and I think that's the kind of way a lot of modern people think with their music. They don't like to get tied into a genre because like they, one album, they might be funk. Another album, they might be hard rock. They might bring some hip hop. And you do whatever you want. You don't put like constraints on yourself. Of course. So that's kind of the idea is like, but once you start saying, "Well, I should only do EDM, and I should do it with the drop, and I should only do techno, I only can do, you know, beat focused stuff. I'm only going to do this," then you kind of like are shooting yourself in the foot because, like, what if you want to mix techno with like country, or if you want to take like hard? Yeah, wh-
1: why not? You know, it's mix always, it and have it a drop to see what what comes out. No.
0: Yeah, I mean, mix like hip hop with like grunge, and then you know, why not try to do something different? Why not? cross genre like why not why be so like it has to be an exact clone to this song in order to be a hit you got to use the same producer using the same samples and the same drum beats and the same thing i'm like you know i'm bored with that i'm not into that
1: <laughs> you're definitely not a person that likes to think inside the box no you yeah. have this sort of you have this uh, this quality of thinking outside the box and i trying new things I think that is an amazing, uh, that is an amazing skill, no? Because as you said, we're always looking to to copy what's going viral, what's going mainstream. Well, sometimes we will make us happier and maybe we will work. You know, like everything amazing always comes from a risk taker, from a person that says, you know, everything amazing that has been created has come from a person that has said, I'm going to try and do this, you know?
0: Yeah, because Hendrix, and when he first got in the studios, like all the engineers said, like, "What's this feedback? You're not supposed to have that on the record," and they're all trying to EQ it out. And he, he, he was very adamant. He's like that sound is my signature sound. You can't edit it out, right? And if Hendrix had 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 backed off and said, "Oh, I guess I'm not supposed to have that much fuzz, right? I'm not supposed to be that distorted," we would never have those Hendrix songs. And the people, you know, did not want him to do it when he did it, they said it was wrong. And so that kind of tells you in music that happens a lot. There's always some guy that comes up with something and you know initially people will say, well, you shouldn't do that. You know, it, it happens in jazz where, you know, some of the jazz people got into fusion and some people said, well, you shouldn't do that. You know, you that's not jazz. So there's always people who will tell you what you shouldn't do. And then when they do that, you find exactly what you should do. <laughs> of course.
1: You know, I totally, I totally agree with this, and I, and I told you also, also before.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. I mean, so a lot of what I'm doing today, you know, my latest album, is, is sending into darling mode, is like the evolution of Josephine's voice. You know, it's just this evolution through the technology, through the levels of Roland's I've had over the last, you know, several years, and just the idea of like once you play with this type of technology you kind of learn how to use it and create that character and in over you know since 2016 i've kind of figured out how to make josephine work you know and josephine you know her character has gotten to a point where it's very clear how how i express her voice and it's i found a way to get get it in a in a range and a kind of dynamic that people you know really enjoy and you know my fan base. Like I said, when I first came out it was like you know a thousand people listening. I've had songs in the last couple of years like thirty-three thousand people listen to it. You know, ten thousand. That is that's amazing. You know, on on Spotify and stuff. You know, I've got songs that hit that kind of number, and um, you know, and on SoundCloud we got songs that hit you know like fifty thousand, sixty thousand plays. So it's like and I didn't get that at all when I was just doing No Josephine, and once I brought Josephine in. Then the podcast came and, you know, influence marketing came in, you know, and all these other things I'm doing. I'm doing a concert series this year and from July 16th to the 18th called the Peg Bedroom Producer Festival. We've got almost 20 acts of all the people that we've ever interviewed on the program.
1: Uh, we've interviewed
0: about 60 people over 20, since 2018. The podcast has like 32,000 listens since 2018. We've uh, interviewed people like almost every country that you can think of, you know, from Tokyo to Australia to Ireland, uh, Iceland, Netherlands. Like already worldwide, yeah, we're totally worldwide. We got a lot of a lot of bands in the festival from like Iceland, Netherlands, Australia, you know, London. We got bands from the East Coast, West Coast. You know, people from Nashville. Uh, we got like a big mix of between EDM. DJs, punk rockers, heavy metal guys. Like, because we don't, we, if people first heard us and they said, well, you're only going to interview EDM. I said, no, that would be a mistake. It's like, I'm going to interview every genre. And so I think that's people make a mistake and say, well, uh, because I'm in electronic, I'm only going to interview electronic. And I think that, that, no, no, no. We decided not to do that. (laughs) You know, we decided like, we're going to just go and anybody that digs us, no matter what genre they're in, you know, we've had like poets come on. Like we actually have a spoken word poet that's going to be doing a concert. We did a collaboration with a Canadian poet this year. We did an album. We've done albums with rock bands out of New York city. Lonnie Claire was a rock band back in 2017. We did an album with, we did like an electronic album with an actress that was a, became a uh, electronic character herself named all control K so we've we've not opposed to like playing with other people. We've had like guitar players and drummers in the band, guest singers in the band. We kinda of do whatever we wanna do
1: absolutely and as I said, you know you've started this, and the the thing that you're not limiting yourself only to one drum really makes it more powerful because literally first of all, you are more you're able to provide more value about music in general because you're focusing on music and you're not focusing just on one john so you have a lot of artists and producers that you can interview and deal with and also if you're you know building relationships with mostly everybody i think because that's that's just the way i see your your heading like literally you should never exclude the never forget about the power of a human relationship you could you know yeah. Be talking to, to a person that is not in your music genre, maybe his father, his uncle, or whatever hears about the the Josephine story while he's walking in his room and he's you know uh recording the podcast and he just loves it, you know. And maybe he's a producer, you know, like the value yeah. that each yeah, we've I mean,
0: crossed over into like we've had actors, yeah. We've had uh, you know, like we're getting ready to have a guy um that um that actually was involved in the development of the dx7 synthesizer um oh okay we're gonna actually be talking like you know we're kind of techno guys all the time so there's a guy named kevin stratton and he was actually heavily involved in the development of the programming of the famous yamaha dx7 fm synthesizer he Mm -hmm. uh, is a guy that worked with quincy jones he worked with janet jackson he worked with um, he worked with Steely Dan. He's worked with, like, you can name check all the people he worked with. He's like a big guy. He's actually on the, on the, on the Grammy, um, committee that reviews people's work. Um, and we actually got introduced to him because we had an agent. They got a podcast guest for us that happened to work for Kevin or knew Kevin. And we did this interview with an artist in Hawaii, this guy named Kevin, um, David Parsons third. And they both had the same agent. And then that agent said, hey, you know, this fan guy, he's really in the sense, You know, I think you'd like to talk to him. So then I, I just had a phone call with the guy uh, about a couple of weeks ago. And now he's going to be on my podcast on the 11th. Um, and it's like a dream. I've, I've been wanting to get a guy that designed like a synthesizer on my show because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a synth nerd, right? I've been wanting somebody for they've designed a Jupiter 8 or a Moog for like years. And it came out of nowhere. Man, I I didn't try to get it; it just kind of came to me. <laughs> um, that's just kind of weird. Like when sometimes when you the things you want the most, you let it go, and then it somehow it just comes to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's the power, you know. Sometimes you got to be able to to let like go and see and see what happens out of things. Yeah, of course, of course, if you force stuff. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah, I've, I've done well, enough rare. forcing. I think, man, I'm been, as a young kid, I tried to force, you know becoming a success when i was 17 you see it didn't work <laughs> you know but but i didn't let it go and this is what i would say to all your friends like like if you're in a band and you don't make it don't stop doing music just because people don't get it you know because you got to remember like lou reed and the velvet underground nobody liked them during the time they were active and then people yeah. suddenly found them and said they were brilliant and then you know lou never stopped he kept on working other people around him stopped, but he never stopped because he believed it and I think a lot of people you got to realize like if you believe in what you're doing you will get to an audience at some point you know, people will find you
1: of course and like you know how many people in general stop before like they stop maybe because of judgment or because their songs are not going mainstream but you know how many guys have stopped two three or four songs before something else? would have actually popped out and to me yeah. that that is amazing you know the fact that if you start something you got to bring it until the end because I, I would never deal with the regret that maybe tomorrow right. if i made that extra episode or that extra song that would have popped out to to a bigger audience you know if, as yeah, you said you never, if you, if yeah you, you never know in, keep going yeah.
0: yeah you never know in your catalog i've written you know actually in the process of like <clears throat> it's really interesting like I I I work with SoundCloud, right? And SoundCloud... Yeah? Is it's like an, an amazing
1: industry. platform for, for yeah, SoundCloud and also producers. Yeah.
0: And I, I got to the point where they actually distribute my work. They distribute not just on SoundCloud, they put it onto like Spotify, Apple, or all these other places. They're they my, do it themselves? Yeah. they're they're, they're oh. they can be, like, If you get to a certain tier on SoundCloud, they will actually come to you and say they want to be your publisher and they'll publish your stuff. And they'll actually distribute your stuff. And so I, I've been on SoundCloud since 2008. And I finally got to a point where I hit enough plays that they said, "Hey, do you want us to be your distributor?" And I said, "Cool." And then I got to do it. Which year? Which year was
1: that? Which year was that?
0: Well, I've been on them on um, SoundCloud since 2008, and I started being distributed in 2020. Uh, 20. This so. happened. In, this happened in
1: 2020. So you've been yeah. asking. Let's say you've been asking for 12 years, and then this amazing opportunity of. SoundCloud yeah. publishing you
0: and now vice versa? Yeah. So it's weird. I mean, cause it's not something that happens like overnight. I mean, it took a long time. I just kept on plugging at it. And suddenly one day they said, Hey, we want you to be a, a SoundCloud repost by SoundCloud artists. So they actually, they put me on like everywhere. I'm, I'm on, like, if you go and check I'm on iTunes, I'm on Amazon. I'm like, they're the ones that do it. Um, and, uh, and now they came to me and they like, Hey, we could, um, if you go and take, I've been part of BMI, you know, music publishing uh, your pro agency, and they say, oh, we can take your registered songs and get them on Twitch so streamers can license your work and then you'll get passive income from people playing your stuff while they're streaming on Twitch. So now that I have this opportunity to have a lot of my published stuff get, you know, get, give me passive income. And it's like it, it just came out of nowhere because they suddenly say, "Hey, you you want to you want to let these streamers use your stuff, and you'll we'll actually pay you." I was like, "Okay," you know. And so it's like you know, you never know where stuff's going to come. Because you could say, like, I wrote all this stuff. You could say, you know, before I was published. He said, "Well, what are you writing all this material for?" It's not going anywhere, and now suddenly I'm making passive income from it. Um, so, like, you never know what. So, I, a lot of people around me are like, "Wow, you really stuck with it." And they're like, they, they're like a lot of guys I started in the garage with, right? They got married, they got kids, and they all stop. And then they see me, you know, with, with now I'm out there, and they're like, you didn't stop, and you know you're getting all this stuff. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't have stopped. And I say, well, you know, you're the, you're the one to let your girlfriend tell you to stop. <laughs> you know, and I was like, you shouldn't have done that. Because <laughs> I kept on calling some of these guys, and they would never come. And that's a part of the ghost was like all the guys I used to play with. Even my drummer we left, my bass player left, everybody left, and I was like, well, "What am I going to do?" And I said, "Well, the only way I can be a band is like I'll be electronic, so that I can have a drum machines, I can have synthesizers, and I can still be a band." And so I found a way to do it, like all by myself, you know. And um, yeah, and
1: not only not only you, you kept going as you said, because that maybe that wouldn't wouldn't have been enough. You kept going and you found a new idea, like you redimension yourself and you found something that allowed you to go on and to obtain amazing results, which is not just going on, you know, it's like starting something new.
0: Yeah. And I, what I decided was like the biggest thing I think that was a good idea is actually going and interviewing bands and, and taking out of my, cause I, I when I made this decision to go into podcasting, it was a big decision because like, I am a crazy like writer. I write all the time. I record all the time. So if I have to, if I have if every day I don't record or I actually talk to somebody and I'm not doing music, I, I can write a lot of music. I, for some reason, I can have ability to write a lot of music. And so then I had to make a decision. If I take some of that time now and I'm going to interview people and I'm going to go and I'm going to collaborate with other people, I'm going to do podcasts with other people, I'm going to write on other people's albums, I'm going to play on other people's albums, it's not going to just be ghosts. And I'm going to do it for free in some cases where I just, I would just go collaborate with somebody. And like, if you make money on it, then work it out we'll work it out. Like, I don't care. You don't have to pay me up front. And I just decided like, I'm just going to work and I like to play. Right. And so I mean, I'll write up agreements and say, like, I'll get 50% if you make money. But, um, but the idea was like, like I podcast, I'm not going to charge somebody for my podcast. I'm just going to interview people. And then eventually I started getting royalties coming in because I I started getting enough plays on my podcast that I got sponsors and people pay me and I don't have to ask the guests for money. So it's kind of like, it's like the pay it forward. Like if you go and do something karmically where you help somebody else and you don't expect anything, then you get benefits. And what happened with the podcast is suddenly, you know, I went from like people, a thousand people listening to me a month on Spotify to like four to five thousand and in my facebook from like 500 people viewing something to like 7000 6000 like a month and suddenly yeah. boosting up and i started getting like you know 50,000 60,000 plays 40,000 30,000 plays on a song and really loved,
1: really loved yeah. it. really loved the quote especially when you said like if you don't expect if you don't expect something to happen a lot of things will will actually happen sometimes yeah, just, we yeah, you yeah. know we just enter things and projects maybe uh, somebody's entering the music world thinking he will make uh, thousands and thousands of views in his first month and somebody else is starting a business and he wants to make a lot of money in the first year and then it doesn't go that way and he just quits. You know, if you, if you start with your expectation and you keep going with the drive just because you love what you're doing and you stick to the, to the value and to, to the fact that you really love music and you love every yeah,
0: job. Yeah, the core thing is like love what you're doing. Like if you're an artist or a painter, I mean, how many yeah, poets yeah, po- po- love your like Good William man. Blake, William Blake is one of the most famous Victorian poets. He, he didn't make any money, right? A lot of Victorian poets, they made no money at all, right? A lot of great painters they made no money, but then suddenly their work after they're gone, they're like it gets considered. But the people, they did this big catalog of work. Like William Blake has this massive catalog of work, and he never went anywhere. It was just like it was just sitting in his farmhouse, and people found it, and it was like. And it's like, you know, that's that's dedication. Like if you're an artist always de- is dedicated to their craft, no matter what. And if, if, they're not, if they're ahead of their time, sometimes they're not known in their time and then they get known in another time. Um, but they tend to just kind of feel like the muse so hard or so much that they can't stop. And that's why I tell people, like, if you feel that kind of passion, you shouldn't stop because somehow, even if you're Gandhi, like people are going to find your work and it's going to mean something. And, you know, there's a lot of history to art in general that shows that that's true. There's a lot of famous artists in multiple, you know, areas of music, you know, film, photography. People find these lost gems from these, like, unheralded artists. And so I say people should yeah. always do that. Because the way the net is today, you can find these people faster.
1: <laughs> you know. It's supposed, it's, it's absolutely different. that way. Unfortunately, Kate, uh, I just... Just realized that I have three uh, percent of my data. I yeah, the, save yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not You're gonna save be able it. I'm not gonna be able to save this, and this episode was so valuable I don't want to lose it.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah, yeah, Make sure you um actually yeah, make save, sure, save, that, save that's it what I was right um, Yeah.
1: I will save the episode and uh, as I said, now we don't have to wait for two weeks. I'll publish it straight away because the, the due date for episode four is already gone. It was just as as last time. It thirty minutes of amazing value. You brought me a lot of inspiration that I got from you. Honestly, as I told you, I'm 18, so I, everything I hear from you, I try to make, try to you know keep the best words and learn learn from who can give me experiences that he has had during life. You know, and th- there are a lot of valuable lessons that I've learned, and that I'm sure the even if small at the moment, but I'm sure even my my small community will will really appreciate and love. Well, Jose,
0: thank you too. We're we're very happy that you had us on.
1: <laughs> of course, I was very very happy to have you two both.
0: Okay. Thank you. Good thank luck. Thank you so much. Bye bye.
1: I'm sure I will see you in another episode in the in the future. Because I would Oh love yeah, that. we'd
0: love to come back on. Yeah, we like yeah. that. Bye.
1: Thank you so much, <laughs> then. Bye.